Revelation chapter 21 is the revelation of the new heavens and the new earth which become one single amazing existence forever for those who place their hope in Jesus Christ. And that vision of heaven and earth that is brand new is meant to create in us an overflowing hope for eternity. I can tell you right now that the concept of the lake of fire is very unappealing to me. Like I don't want to go to hell or experience the lake of fire, however you think about the concepts communicated in Scripture this lake of fire image is very unappealing. I don't, I don't want to do that. But I wonder sometimes for us as Christians if our understanding of the new earth is as appealing to us as the lake of fire is unappealing to us. I've had conversations with believers and have felt these same kinds of feelings and tensions in my own heart and mind where someone has said to me, I'm just not sure that I am excited about heaven. It's almost as if the concept of the new earth is so unclear at times as to what it really is that the things we enjoy about this life and the thought of losing those things makes us wonder, do we really want the new earth? And, and yet the promise of eternity from Jesus Christ is one of the greatest promises. It's the ultimate promise that he has given us. And he means for that promise to bring a hope for eternity that just overflows out of our hearts. Now, for many of us, the hope for eternity overflows out of our hearts when things in our life are not going well. You, you think about what it's like when your body begins to break down and it doesn't work like you want it to. Anybody in here feel that way sometimes? <laughs> the time to heal up is like seven times longer than what it used to be. You, you, you start to just break down and you start to think, man, the idea of a new body on a new earth is sounding a lot better to me. You know, and so all of a sudden, the hope of eternity kind of wells up within you. Or, or maybe someone you love is diagnosed with a terminal disease. And they're a believer. And as they walk through that experience, you see coming out of them this hope for eternity. Because they are longing for something Far better than what they're experiencing. 
Or consider someone living in a foreign country today that's hostile towards Christianity. And they've been arrested and they're in jail and there's barely being fed enough food and water to keep them alive. They're wasting away. I suspect in that person there's going to be a lot of hope for eternity welling up in their hearts. When you're not living in those scenarios and, and you're living in a time when, man, your marriage is, is deepening and your time with your kids and your grandkids is so rich and you have all the things that you thought you could ever want and life just feels amazing and, and you don't have any brokenness going on in your life and you love this life, all of a sudden you begin to maybe feel like this concept of eternity it's, I would li- I'd like to kind of push that off a while because things are really good right now. You, you ever felt like that? I feel oftentimes as believers, maybe, maybe we struggle with this idea, this image of eternity. And I just want us this morning together to recognize that one of the greatest gifts that Jesus Christ has given us as believers So after we've experienced the gift of salvation, one of the greatest gifts that Christ has given us is a picture of eternity. So that we might spend every single day, both in the difficult times and in the marvelous times, having welling up from within us the hope of eternity. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to open Revelation 21 And I want us to to treat it like it's a gift. And we're going to open this gift that is the hope of eternity. And we're going to discover together that the hope of eternity has been awakened in our hearts. So, So before we open the gift, here's what I need you to do. I need you to just ask the Lord to awaken in your heart the hope for eternity that he's put there. You already have it. You already long for it. You just might not be awake to what God has already put in your heart. And so I just want you to ask the Lord to awaken you to the hope of eternity as we open the gift in Revelation 21. All right, so I'm going to pause and you ask the Lord and then we'll read Revelation 21. All right, here we go. Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, bowl of the seven last plagues, came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. This vision in Revelation 21 immediately creates a contrast. And the contrast in Revelation 21 is with Revelation chapter 17. In Revelation chapter 17, we read something very similar. One of the seven angels 
holding the seven bowls of wrath, says to John, come here and I will show you the great harlot. And he takes him to the wilderness, not a high mountain, to the wilderness. And he shows John all the brokenness, the sin, the depravity, the idolatry, the abominable practices of the world and the enemies of God summarized in the dragon and the beast. And John sees this picture of why the just judgment of God is absolutely necessary. It's contrasted with Revelation 21 where this angel was holding one of the seven bowls of wrath, comes to John and says, come here, I want to show you now the bride of the Lamb. I want to show you what everything's going to be like when every ounce of sin and brokenness is removed forever. I want to show you what it's going to look like When God makes everything brand new, beyond imagination. And John is taken to this high mountain. And John sees the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, from God, full of God's glory. Think about some of the mountains that we've seen in Scripture. Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Mount Nebo, where Moses was allowed to look and see the promised land in the distance. Mount Moriah, where Abraham lifted the knife over his son Isaac only to be stopped by God who provided a substitute offering. On Mount Moriah, where the temple was built, where one sacrifice after another would be offered. Think think about how God has been revealing himself on these mountains, all pointing toward this moment where God brings the new Jerusalem down to a high mountain once and for all to reveal who he is. It's an amazing picture. And in this picture of Revelation 29, we are seeing the bride of Christ. Now, you'll probably remember that we saw the bride of Christ earlier in Revelation. Revelation chapter 19. We saw the bride of Christ in Revelation chapter 19. The bride of Christ was the church. Those who have been rescued through their faith in Jesus Christ for forever. So the bride of Christ in Revelation 19 is the church. And here in Revelation 21, it's the new Jerusalem. Think about it like this. When God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 to follow him, God gave Abraham two promises. He said to Abraham, I will make you a great people. And he said to Abraham, I will give you a new land. Abraham's grandson was named Jacob. And Jacob had a little encounter with God, and after that encounter, God gave him a brand new name. And his new name was Israel. And Israel becomes a people, just like God promised, and the descendants of Israel are called Israel. And God gives the descendants of Abraham, the descendants of Israel, he gives them a land. 
And that land is called Israel. So you have a people who are called Israel. You have a land who's called Israel. They're the people of God and the land God gives to his people. That's just pointing forward to God's ultimate purpose in giving his people a new land. His new people in Christ in a new land on a new earth. That's the picture of God's work in the bride of the Lamb. A new people, here's the complete picture, a new people in a new land experiencing the display of God's glory forever. Beyond imagination. Absolutely incredible. And then we're going to see this description of this new city. So let's read this. Starting in verse 11. Having the glory of God, her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates and at the gate 12 angels and names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Are you picturing this in your mind's eye? In the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones and on them were written were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city with a rod 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. Are you picturing this? And he measured its wall, 72 yards, according to human measurements, which, by the way, are also angelic measurements. The material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second was sapphire, the third was chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Are you imagining it? It's really hard to imagine, isn't it? It's beyond imagination. And yet it is a glimpse. It is to evoke in us the hope of eternity. The first thing that we're told about this city is that it is the display of the glory of God. This city... It's intended for us to see in such a way in this vision so that we know that this new city for the people of God is the display of the glory of God. So that the people of God who are the display of the glory of God live forever in the display of God. It's 
the display of God's glory from first to last. It's unbelievable when you consider this display of God's glory. The walls around the city are built such that they're not really for protection. They're, They're for the display of God's glory. Everything about this city is so that we might know that the promise given to us is that one day through our faith in Christ, we can live forever in the display of the perfect glory of God. You think about what's pictured here with the four walls and the 12 gates and the 12 names of the apostles on the 12 foundation stones and the 12 names of the tribes of Israel on the gates around the city and What you've got is this picture of the city that belongs to the church. All the people of God, Jews and Gentiles from every tribe, nation, tongue, have been brought together through their faith in Jesus Christ as the people of God to live in the new city of God forever in the display of the glory of God. And and there's something really amazing about this vision. This city is 1,500 miles wide, long, and tall. It's like a cube. That's what's described here, a 1,500-mile cube. You ever seen a city like that? No. Nobody's seen a city like this. It's beyond imagination. It's a city that we cannot fathom. In other words, we all know what cities look like. And we all know what big cities look like. And we have in our mind's eye what a big city would be. But everything that's in your mind's eye about what a big city would be is not this city. Because this city is a new world kind of city. It's a new world, new forever kind of stuff. It's beyond your imagination. We can't fathom it. But but we have a little glimpse. Because we know what a city looks like. We can kind of get in our minds what a 1,500 by 1,500 by 1,500 cube city might look like. But no, we can't see this. Think about the jewels around this wall that just just characterize the look of this. We we can't even, he's putting all these names of these jewels out there. But they're, they're not like jewels that we see. I mean, jasper that's crystal clear. What is that? Well, that's a new world kind of thing. What, what is a pearl, a single pearl the size of one of the gates? That's what the gates are, a single pearl. Do you know how big this single pearl is going to be? About 250 feet in diameter. You ever seen a pearl like that? No. Have you seen a little bitty pearl? Yeah, but it's hard to imagine that being a gate. But you've seen a pearl, but this is a pearl that you've never seen anything like it. It's beyond imagination. This is new world kind of stuff. You've seen gold, but you've never seen gold that's transparent as glass. The streets are that way. The city's that way. Why? Because the gold that's making up the city is a gold that does not cloak the glory of God but allows you to see the glory of God. It's a gold you've never seen before because it's new world stuff. It's beyond your imagination. Fabulous. This is, this is, this is where we're going. It's amazing. Let's keep reading about it. Don't you want to read more? There's more here. Verse 22. I saw no temple in it. 
For the, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illumined it. And its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. And they will bring honor and glory of the nations into it and nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. No temple. Because God himself and the Lamb will be the temple. In the Old Testament, God instructed his people to build a tabernacle. That was kind of the pre-temple structure for the people of God. And God instructed his people to build the tabernacle so that God could come and show his presence. His presence could be with his people, but it was restricted to the tabernacle. So the people, when God's presence did come, could see his presence. Then God's people built a more permanent structure, the temple. And that's where God would visit his people and his presence would reside there. And on particular occasions, the manifest or the Shekinah glory of God would fall on the temple. The unbelievable presence of the glory of God would just come down on the temple and the people would be overwhelmed with this picture of the presence of God. The temple was the place where the people knew they could experience the presence of God in the most life-transforming manner. Not on the new earth. When Jesus came, you know what he said? He said something far more important than the temple is here. That's what he told everybody. That had to be shocking to the people who were listening. Wait a minute. How could anything be more important than the temple? That's where God's presence is going to come. That's how we're going to know how to follow him. That's where he's going to speak to us. That's where he's going to guide us. That's the place that matters. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not the place that matters. Something more important than the temple is here. The reason Jesus said that is because he planned on being the once and for all sacrifice such that the temple would now be obsolete. So he laid down his life, the once and for all sacrifice for all our sins, so that anyone who trusts in him will be forgiven of all their sins. Now here is the significance of that. We are so cleansed in Jesus Christ that God sends his Holy Spirit to take up residence in our lives so that now, as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't have a place we go to experience the presence of God. We have become that place. We, the church, are the temple of God where the Holy Spirit dwells so that we might experience the presence of God, so that we might know him and follow him and be captured by his beauty, so that we might be oriented in all that we do to all that he is. We have become the temple of God, but not on the new earth. 
No, everything that's happening in the Old Testament, everything that's happening in the New Testament, and for us right here is pointing towards something far better. No, on the new earth, God himself will dwell with us. And there will be no temple because God will be with us in a way that we simply cannot imagine. This is new world stuff. We're going to live with God. And his presence will transform everything. When Jesus said in the book of John, I'm the light of the world, we had no idea what he really meant. Sure, people in that day could see that Jesus was communicating the truth that would lead to life, but there's coming a day when Jesus Christ will be the light of the world, literally. Now, all of us can go out sometime this week, God willing, and see the sun. Be warmed by its rays. Are you imagining that today? We can see the sun, but here's the thing. We can't look directly at it. It's not smart. So we have a concept of what it's like to be in the presence of a light that we cannot look at without bringing personal harm to us. We have a concept of the sun. Let me tell you, when we get to the new earth, there won't be a need for the sun because God himself will be our light. And here is the amazing thing. It's a light we can't look at, but we'll be able to see. That's, that's new world stuff. Like, that doesn't even make sense, does it? Like, that's, that's weird to say that. But it's true. It's new world stuff. We're going to have the presence of God, the light of the world, be the light force. So there's never going to be darkness. There's always going to be light. Do you know every gate in the city that stays open, they don't ever close? You know why the gates around the city of God never close? Because there's nothing to keep out. And there's complete freedom to move and do whatever you want. Because everything that you want to do on the new earth will be done as perfect worship to God. There is no reason to be protected on the new earth. Now can you imagine? Think about the times in relationship, in family, um, in church where you felt the most secure, the most safe, the, the most belonging. You imagine those moments? In the new earth, you won't ever need to be protected from anything or anybody. You will always be perfectly safe. You can imagine what it's like in a part of way. But we can't imagine what it's like on the new earth. This new world stuff. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. Jesus provides in this vision an invitation into the new world. He says, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will be there. That's our invitation. Don't miss out on the new city. Respond to the invitation by placing your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Don't miss out on the invitation and don't miss the warning. Because if your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you won't be in this new city. 
Have you, have you ever gotten an invitation to something that you turned down only to discover that what happened at the event to which you were invited was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? Anything like that ever happened to you? Maybe, maybe your favorite football team is the Dallas Cowboys and somebody invites you to go to a game and things are just crazy in your life and as much as you'd love to do it, you can't make it work and you say, no, I can't make this time, maybe another time. Well, this particular time, the guy who invited you when he got to the stadium, for some crazy reason, got ushered up into a box where he got to sit in special seats right next to your favorite quarterback of all time, Roger Staubach. And Roger handed out signed footballs to everybody. And he, had to, he got to sit right next to Roger. And on the way home, he calls you up and says, you're never going to believe what happened. I mean, you're going to immediately think, I am an idiot for not accepting that invitation. That's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You know, have you ever had a situation like that? Maybe you're into baseball and your favorite baseball player is Nolan Ryan. And you're invited to go over to BB's one night with some friends to eat, eat a hamburger there. And instead of, instead of going, you got something else going. You say, nah, I can't go. And they call you right after dinner and say, you're never going to believe this. Right next to our table in the seat you would have sat in was Nolan Ryan. And, and we got his autograph. We got to talk to him. It was unbelievable. You'd be like, no, it can't be happening. How did I miss that opportunity? Listen, the new city is an invitation to a once in eternity opportunity. You, you, you don't want to miss this opportunity. I want you to think about the new city, the new earth like this. Think about the places you love to go and the things you love to do there. I, I, I love to go to the mountains. I love to hike through the mountains. I love to fish in the streams of the mountains. I've been on a mountain ridge, super high up, very difficult hike to get there. And be able to do a 360-degree turn and see mountain ridges all around some of the most spectacular Rockies of the world. I'm going to tell you, in that moment, I can feel the majesty of God. You ever been in a place like that? Think about the places you love to go and the things you love to do. Those moments give you a sense of the majesty of God. But you know, I had to come down from that mountain. And I had to realize that as majestic as that moment was, the rest of the world is full of brokenness and poverty, slave trafficking, perversion. You, you know what the new city is like? It's like the places you love to go and the places you love to do things. Take away all the things that are broken and sinful. And all that's left is everything you love to do and the place you love to do it. And then take all of that minus all the brokenness and then make that perfect. Beyond imagination, perfect. New world kind of perfect. So that when you experience that, you never even miss this world. Are you feeling it? 
What about the places you live? Think about the places you've lived. I, I, I was born in Kansas City, Missouri. I lived there till I was nine. And there's some things that I loved about Kansas City, Missouri. But there's some things I didn't like about it. I didn't like the cold weather there. So you know I don't like today. But there are a lot of things I loved about there. I felt like that was my home. Like I felt like I belonged there. Then we moved to Amarillo, Texas. And living in Amarillo, Texas, it did not take me long to recognize I was made for Texas. Like I just I felt like I've come home. And I loved Amarillo. I loved a lot of things about growing up there, going through high school there. But there's some things about Amarillo that I didn't like so much. I, don't, I hate the wind in Amarillo. Man, it's got to be a curse, you know, for that amount of wind. But I loved it. Felt like it was my home. Th then I moved to um, College Station from Amarillo. I'm just telling you, it became like this greatest moment of my life. I knew at that point I was made for College Station. And it was great. I loved it. We spent 12 years there. But there's some things I didn't like about College Station. I, I do not like the, 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 uh, the humidity in College Station. So there's some things I don't like about it. But I loved living there. It was a great place. And then we moved to Abilene. And it took me a few years to recognize that I could love another place. <laughs> but over 15 years, I fell in love with Abilene. There's so much I loved about that place, our home, our community, our church. I loved living there. There's some things I didn't like about Abilene. They got this red dirt in Abilene that if you get it in anything that's not red, it's going to be red terrible. You can't wash it out. It's, it's awful. So there's some things I don't like about Abilene, but I loved living there. It was great to be there. Then we moved to Georgetown. I've been here almost three years, and I'm, I'm telling you this not as an illustration. This is genuinely how I feel. We love living here. Like in some way, it feels like we've just been prepared our whole lives to live right here. And we love it. But there are some things about Georgetown I don't like. <laughs> Williams Drive. Anybody else feel that way? I-35. Negative. You know, I mean, there's some things I don't like, but I love. So you think about the places that you have lived and all that you loved about it. And you take out every bit of brokenness and the things you didn't like about it. And, you, and all you're left with, everything you love. And then you imagine that being made perfect by God in such a way that it's beyond imagination. It's new world stuff. And you get to experience it for eternity in such a way that you never miss anything of the world you love. Think about your relationships. I love the moment. Standing down in front of the church when Lindley started walking down that aisle in her wedding dress. I love my marriage. I love what that means. I love thinking about when I held my, my kiddos after they were born. 
Man, those moments were amazing. And I've been told by many that it holds not a candle to the moment I hold grandkids just like that. And I cannot wait. I think about the richness of our friendships that we're building in this place, and I love the relationships we're building. I love that belonging. But you know what? We can hurt each other. There's pain and difficulty here. As much as we love all of this, can you, along with me, imagine taking all of what we love and the relationships we count dear and removing from those every bit of pain, sorrow, and brokenness so that all that's left is the best of what we love in relationship? Then take that and make it perfect, the new world God stuff. And we get to experience it forever in such a way that we will not miss the old world. You know why we know this is true? It's true because you have had moments of spending time with the Lord that transforms your life. You've been kneeling before the Lord, crying out to Him, and His presence is poured out on you. You've had moments when the truth of God has so been illumined in your heart and mind that you've decided, I'll follow you no matter what it means. You've had experiences of deep loss, and God's presence has filled you up in that loss, and you've said, I'm going to hang in there. You have felt the presence of God, but there's coming a day when you will experience the presence of God like you've never experienced it before. It's new world kind of stuff. It's beyond imagination. And it's his presence that will make all the difference. And we'll experience him forever in such a way that we will not miss the world we left. That's where we're going. So everything good in your life that you experience and everything difficult in your life that you experience through the lens of what God has revealed should bring in us a welling up of the hope of eternity that transforms the way we live now. That's what I want. I want my heart to be awakened to the hope of eternity so that every day I'm transformed while I wait. Kansas City was good, but Amarillo was better. So Kansas City was kind of a city of waiting to get to Amarillo. Amarillo is good, but College Station was better. So Amarillo is kind of a waiting city to get to a better place. College Station was good, Abilene was better. Abilene was the place I was headed. College Station was the city of waiting to get to where I was made to be. And then Abilene was the city of waiting, and I moved to, to Georgetown, and Georgetown is what I love. Every city in which we live and all the things we love about it should always be seen as a glimpse to what's coming because every taste of the goodness of God is living in the city of waiting. And someday, God will send Jesus Christ and he will take us home to the city for which we were made. Do you feel the invitation? Don't miss it. Don't miss it.
This is an eternity you do not want to miss.